Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career. We're edging towards 50 episodes now. It's another video episode. Uh, it's great to be here. I am joined today by Colin and Phil. Do you, do you each want to introduce yourselves? Hi, yeah, I'm Phil. I can go first then. Um, what did I say? But this is, I'm always kind of in deer and headlights at this moment. I'm a software developer turned data scientist, turns anti nine to five, trying to work from own. <laughs> That's probably the 30 second summary. And I'm Colin. Robert. I'm the co host of this podcast. Hopefully, people know that. But if you don't, I'm Colin Riddell. I'm a software engineer and co founder of the Coder Career. Yeah. Um, so for new listeners as well, I'm a former technical recruiter. Colin is a former senior instructor at CoClan, who are also our sponsor. Um, so, you know, we try and give you that uh, that kind of learning experience from all sides of the table. So, um, yeah, I, I guess if we uh, go, go right into it, Phil, do you, want, do you want to tell us a bit about you're now an entrepreneur, but you've been a data scientist, you've been a software engineer, you've kind of worn quite a few technical hats. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've ended up in the in the point where you are now as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I started in school, I guess, uh, liked hacking about with websites. I was known as the website guy, <laughs> basically in school, doing PHP, just all that sort of stuff. And applied to uni for lots of different courses, to be honest with you. And I can distinctly remember um, going and meeting the kind of the professor or whatever and saying, is there any way that I can do computing without programming? For whatever reason, I was like, phobia of programming. Uh, I don't know why, I just thought, mm-hmm. I, might, I, thought I might not like it or something. Um, but it turns out I love it. I, I mean, it was definitely the right choice. Um, so I went did computing science then, worked for a bit, realized that, I don't know, I've just always wanted to do my own thing, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so I ended up going back to uni. Uh, I got an opportunity to do a PhD and I just jumped on it, basically. It was the best four years of my life, pretty much. It was just the freedom of doing your own thing and like researching a very niche area was was amazing um and then that, that obviously came to an end and then i was back to the workforce i mean it's not that i'm like anti-work or something i'm just kind of like i like doing my own thing i like working my own schedule i'm not a big fan of commuting like you know all the things that traditionally you have to do with a normal job um so i worked for a few years in industry as a data scientist and ultimately I'm sure we'll get to it, but built a website on the side that kind of went semi-viral and I just, I've made the leap <laughs> and that's where I am seven months into it full time. But yeah, I'm sure we'll speak for that later. I mean, what, what is the website? I mean, first off, I, I, I've actually been aware of you. I'm building while. suspense. I'm, I'm going to sound a bit <laughs> creepy here, but I think I've been following you on Twitter and LinkedIn for quite a while. So I've always thought your website nice. is really cool. <laughs> Appreciate it. So it's called fourdayweek.io. Um, and essentially, as you can probably guess, it's a job board for jobs with a four-day work week. Um, and the kind of number one thing that people always think when you say four-day week, they either assume that it's four 10-hour days, which is not. I don't list any jobs that are more than 36 hours. Uh, and they also then think, okay, it must be like re- less salary, but it's, it's also not. It's just literally what you think it is, four normal days. And there's a huge movement to kind of reduce the, the working week for a number of reasons. Um, I can bore you in that as well if you want. But uh, so yeah, fourdayweek.io, it's, it's a job board for jobs with a four-day week. Currently eight months into it full-time and long may continue. There, there's actually um, a pilot going on at the moment. Um, loads, loads of companies across the UK and America are trialling a four-day week. So I've kind of got a little bit lucky in that respect. There's a bit of a tailwind behind me. Um, but I'm not, <laughs> not complaining. So yeah. Are you... 
are you involved in that in any official capacity or are you just sort of taking the the, the tailwind of it as you say so i'm talking to the the, the team 40 week global and we're kind of maybe going to be teaming up in something but i'm not like on the board or anything um I mean, initially, I thought it could be a bit of a kind of competitive situation, but they're they're really nice, and we're all in it for kind of the same same movement. They have the fourdayweek dot com domain, which I've always mm. wanted, but you can't have it all, you know. <laughs> I think your dot io domain's cooler anyway. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna maybe lie. so. My dad doesn't like it. He's like dot io. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, what does it stand for? I heard someone told me it was dot Indian Ocean, but I never had that. It's a country, that. yeah. It's not input output. Put it that way. I think it's a country. Yeah. I actually found out dot uh, co. I just thought that was company. That's Colombia. I had oh, no yeah, idea. Is, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You know, um, what was it? Tuvalu, I think it's pronounced. The island in the Pacific. They made so much money from selling the .tv domain name rights, uh, basically, <laughs> that they were able to afford to join the, the UN. Uh, and it's basically sustaining the economy. And it's like a sizable percentage of their GDP and has been since like the late 90s. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, um, is it them or it might be .fm, Federated States of Micronesia. It's mm. one of the two. Um, but yeah, very, very cool um, for sure. It's uh, yeah, it's funny all this domain, <laughs> this domain the name, domain stuff. name stuff. Like I'm kind of into it in a weird nerdy way, but like you know, you know those these new domains come out X Y Z and yada mm-hmm. yada yada yada. I didn't realize they get like auctioned off. I don't even know who auctions them, but they auction them off to like GoDaddy and like other kind of domain name providers, and they bid on them. Like you know, the top ones yeah. are always the ones you could imagine, and then like things dot app. But they're all just bidded on, and then they own the rights, and then they kind of lease it out. It's, it's a mad racket. <laughs> it's like, a mad racket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, certainly is, and um, yeah, it, it it's one of those weird ones where like they've really opened it up recently as well. So I I don't really understand some mm. of these some of these new ones, but um, you know, uh, who who am I to who am I to judge? But there's all kinds of weird ones like dot uh, garden and. Uh, things yeah. like, I suppose if you run a, if you run a, um, what am I thinking of? A shop where you buy plants. Help me. <laughs> What's it? Uh, I live in a flat. Like so a I garden centre? Garden centre. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. You okay, uh, Cameron? <laughs> yeah. It's been a long Monday. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, it, it's a, yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> See the old domain names. Sorry, just talking. So I could talk a long time about domain names. My pal actually told me one time, "Stop talking about domains." (laughs) But like, see, like the whole sitting on domains. It's insane. I tried to buy a domain name last week in the blockchain space. Unbelievable! Literally every combination is gone. (laughs) You got to pay like five grand for anything that has blockchain in it. Anyway, ran over. Sorry, you have to pay obviously. five grand to do literally anything in the blockchain. Yeah. Reading and writing data to the blockchain. <laughs> Don't get me started <laughs> on how stupid that whole thing is. Have you is. done that then? Have you been experimenting? I've experimented, yeah. It costs quite a bit to like write this something to a fairly big chain, but unless you use like ZK rollups or all any of that madness, but that ends up how costing. How does it work though? Do, like, do you write well. to like a test chain or something? Is there like a free Yeah, you can write you can write to test chains or you can write to like a, a version like a version of it that's that's partial um mm-hmm. or a version of it that doesn't have its right put to the bigger version of it just yet and they're, they're mm-hmm. delayed and rolled up and all that sort of stuff it's a bit mad it's um, complicated <laughs> it's very complicated yeah 
Yeah, blockchain in general is a contentious issue uh, on this podcast. Me and Colin have gone to war <laughs> on, uh, on many occasions. More so Web3, to be fair. I'm more I'm more optimist um, yeah. and Colin's more realist, if we're being complimentary. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit more head in the clouds about it. Uh, but Definitely. yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I don't have the traditional background in computer science, so I'm, I'm less of a realist. I think it's just because I'm older and like more old school. <laughs> And mm. I just sort of think, like, if something's not broken, why try and fix it? You know, like, if, if how we build if how we build apps just now and applications isn't that broken, then why should we try and fix it in a way that it's going to cost an mm. absolute arm and a leg to be able to, like, do anything? But it needs I a can, killer application. Yeah. I think that's what it needs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I kinda, I'm still optimist a little bit, but lately I've been kind of, don't know, more worried <laughs> about the whole thing. And just, like, you know, needs something. NFTs isn't going to cut it. That isn't the killer application you know <laughs> who knows maybe this is going to age really poorly it's yeah. the killer application that'll probably kill like it'll probably kill web 3 when people start realizing what they actually are mm. um, yeah anyway. a pointer to an image on a server anyway exactly exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah i think whilst the developments are exciting around like moving to proof of stake and stuff yeah i agree it, it definitely does need to be some kind of killer application but you know we'll uh, we'll see it could go uh, you know vr is making a big comeback now so and mm. uh, everyone was saying mm. that was, mm. i mean i wasn't really around to talk about tech in the late 90s but apparently that's what everyone was on about back then so um <laughs> you know who knows i'm not i'm not one to be able to tell uh, uh, you know i've been uh, basically every time i've tried to buy in on crypto it basically dumps so um i'm swearing away from it for a while i think <laughs> good show good show yeah yeah so get- four day work week then can we talk about that for a minute yeah, that's yeah. all right yeah. so happy to the I'll site the looks really, the site looks really good I've, i think i said to this to steve before we came on air but the site looks really good um you you said that you you've been working on that full time for seven months is, is that is that and you're working on it for quite a while before that or how long is it yeah to kind of build what you've got so i mean like i've honestly launched so many failed businesses i could bore you with that so i thought with this one do what everyone tells you just build a simple landing page put it on the internet let people see it and don't have a product i literally had no product i literally just made a web flow page it said it was initially the worst name ever 28hourworkweek.com uh, or something mad. Anyway, I put it on uh, Hacker News and just had an email form. I couldn't believe it. Like it was the first time I, I kind of felt like maybe product market market fit or something. It just like PMF. instantly, yeah, 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 it yeah, just instantly got people signing up. I couldn't believe it. So Eric like, Rees oh. is probably going, "Oh my god, this guy used the build, measure, learn technique." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, put it on like on Hacker News, and yeah, it went straight. To the top, load other about four hundred signups or something the first couple of days, and then from there I was like, right, I should probably make a website. I had done loads of React stuff in the past, old janky projects with kind of you know cobbled together. And I thought I'm not going to build this from scratch. I'm just going to copy and paste <laughs> an old thing I've got, change mm-hmm. the logo, just hack it into a quick format. So I had it online probably within a week, um, a basic version of it anyway, and then from there it's just been learning about. SEO and all this sort of stuff and really trying mm-hmm. to, you know, previous mistakes I've, I've made are like just putting it live and thinking it's going to go viral every day. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You need to get like consistent traffic. So I just read up an SEO and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I've been posting blog articles. That was kind of how it started about, you know, four day work week. And then eventually got a bit more serious about it, put a bit more, put a bit of money into it, buying like these kind of 
they fit, they feel a bit dirty. I'm not gonna lie. These kind of SEO blog articles, you know the ones I'm sure, but they get clicks <laughs> through Google. So, but, but ended up yeah. buying, um, paying for them each month through an agency. Um, and yeah, paying for them to be for... to be made to be to be written by people. Yeah. So the, the yeah. so the problem with most people, like when you go in like Upwork, right, to get like a blog yeah. written. They're just going to go and use GPT three. It's an absolute nightmare, honestly. It's really? constantly, yeah, it's constantly wow. battling people trying to do it cheap and quick. Which I don't, I don't blame them. That's how it works. Uh-huh. So I got an agency, a proper agency, paid them reasonable money, and yeah, they're just putting out uh, four blog articles a month. Um, okay. And honestly, it's been amazing. You you put them up, you wait a few months, and it's getting thousands of you know traffic a day it's and you're and you're finding that that style of content marketing is working really well then i mean this isn't an entrepreneurship or content marketing podcast sorry 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 i'm I'm just really interested i'm just personally really interested (laughs) it's me that's taking us this direction so don't know you find that 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 works yeah definitely i mean so basically just writing about work-life balance and all these kind of things you get people that are kind of interested in the topic and then they see the logo at the top left that just says four day week um, yep. and yeah, they end up being subscribers but I mean we can talk about the tech if you want, it's not that interesting it's, to be honest with you, see after two years of working on this, see if I was going yeah. to start again, I would go the most boring tech going, I'm not even going to lie the most boring tech yeah, going, like, do you that's think a controversial like, one. <laughs> <laughs> well like the most boring or like standard would be WordPress and I have nothing against WordPress, right. it, it does exactly what it does and then lately I've been learning Ruby on Rails and it honestly blew mm-hmm. my mind. I've been coding for years and Ruby on Rails is just like amazing. Just does everything exactly how I want it to do it. Um, yeah, Rails is insane. Ruby's so terrible, good. but Rails is insane. Yeah, 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 exactly. I wish it was like Python on Rails or something, but anyway. <laughs> I guess that's Django, is it? I don't know. I've never used that. Um, but yeah, so I did it on React and React is great, whatever. But see if you're building like a really simple website that's just a job board. I yeah. don't need React really. I just need yep. something that's just going to give me HTML. And if it's got HTML, it means it's good for SEO. Sorry, I know we're going yeah. to do the marketing again, but that's kind of one of the so big we, things. So we we had an episode a few episodes back. We some of our episodes we 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 talk more technical content and we do like mm-hmm. a what really is. Two of our episodes recently was what really is React, and then the follow up to that was what really is Next and SSR. Mm-hmm. And then. Oh, yeah, is that is that a, of, oh, is that PTSD, PTSD. So, so did you write did you write your site in pure React and then be like, oh, I need to make this actually yeah. renderable um, server side? Yeah. Oh, honestly, I mean, the first seems really like novice saying this, but the first time I realized it was when I tried to share the link on Twitter, and when I share the link on Twitter, it doesn't have the the yeah. headline of the page it doesn't have the image it just looks like the home page everything's the home yeah page. there's no html meta tag yeah, nonsense nothing. or none of that yeah absolute nightmare and then i read up on it and it's like yeah if you're doing you're, it's like something they don't tell you really <laughs> you know if you're not yeah you know so you end it's up six months down the line. It's like the standard and then you know you realize like down because i'm exactly the same like i've been coding in react professionally but i'd only ever worked on internal tools so I was like, oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Just use React for everything. It's amazing. And then didn't realize yeah. that SEO, which is just such an important component of everything you work with, do anything yep. business-facing, um, mm-hmm. then it, it's, yeah, they, they never tell you. So I say they, they like in the doc. Well, I guess they yeah. wouldn't in the doc. They. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then honestly, like CSSR server-side rendering, which just if people don't know, I didn't know this a few months ago. You, you've got uh, React. I mean, it spits to the website. It's just... There's no HTML. <laughs> it's yep. literally just empty. JavaScript. 
Yeah. So to Google, it looks like an empty website, mm-hmm. uh, which is bad for like finding websites on Google because they yeah. don't know what your bloody website's about. So you've got to do this thing called server-side rendering, which honestly, I won't bore you, but it's the most nightmarish thing I have ever done in like all my years of programming. It was just, awful. Just for the listeners out there, we've got an episode, uh, episode number... Whatever it is, we can't remember what what episode number it is. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes on explaining SSR and Next.js and all that for you. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, you were saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just it was a nightmare. I would not recommend it. It's it took me <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks to get working, and even now it's so janky and like it's held together with sellotape. And, and are it you falls using? Over. <laughs> is it like? pure react ssr or is it is it react with like next or Nuxt no or... next nothing no. none of these things i looked right, into okay. it to be honest with you and maybe yep. i glossed over it but i kind of felt that if i was going to go down the next route mm-hmm. i'd have to like kind of almost rewrite it or like copy and paste so much i don't i didn't really yeah, quite you'd have understand to, it yeah you'd have to make a bunch of pages and and all the rest of it all right okay i just cool. wasn't into that so yeah did it the so what handles way. what handles the ssr part of your of your site then just to get a little bit more so technical. basically my back end like was built in go and that was another thing it doesn't oh. handle go you've got to basically yeah. do it in like node basically or whatever yeah. yep so i had to rewrite the whole bloody back end <laughs> it was just a horrible experience from start to finish and i wouldn't you rewrote it in and like just nodes, node.js. And node, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it wasn't fun. To be honest with you, the back end was a very small thing anyway. Just, but yeah, awful. <laughs> I think like talking about it's it. It's good to code like... in though, from, from what I understand. Like uh, I've given it a crack a couple of times, but I can never, I do want to learn something like lower level mm-hmm. than those. And I've yeah. been trying to decide between Go, go and Rust. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a difficult one actually, because both seem both seem good, but Rust gets rated high usually. But Go seems Rust like is... there's more stuff built in it. Sorry, yeah, Rust, I mean, I've never used Rust, but I hear it's whatever, all the rage at the moment, but it doesn't mean it's maybe the best. I, I love Go, sure. honestly, I've been using it forever. And it just does everything really well. I mean, Google made it, and not to be a Google fanboy, but like, if they start a language from scratch, it's going to be pretty decent. It's fast, like so fast um it's like a good hybrid between like something that's really readable like maybe python and something that's really fast like c or whatever um yeah i would recommend go maybe not to like start out coding with i don't think i would ever start with go but you know once you get into your swing it's good for writing low level fast programs for sure yeah it's tough to start out with something low level like I love CS50, um, the, uh, the the program from Harvard, um, and I do recommend it to a lot of people. But they make people do. I've never C. heard of that. I, I don't. What's it, that? It's really good. Yeah. So the, the presenter is amazing. I think Colin, you either went through it or you recommended it to people as well, right? And it, it's been going on for years. Um, I've actually not. I've actually never went through it. Have you never yeah. gone through it? Well, it's it's like no. module module one is Scratch, so it's basically like a toy programming language more or less, uh, and it's all like totally graphical, like building blocks. And then module two is C. And it's just completely brutal. <laughs> and then after that, they introduced you to JavaScript and Python. So I just remember just sitting, feeling like so dumb at the C code. I, I guess their idea is they drop you into the deep end really early on. Um, and just so you can understand the fundamentals. But I'm not sure. Not sure If I was teaching, I'm not sure I'd, I'd go for C first. No. I think uh, I tend What did to, you start I, with? Interest. So I started with JavaScript and then briefly did a bit of Python, then switched back to JavaScript. And I think... Mm-hmm. As someone that's uh, self-taught, there's definitely the most content for JavaScript online. 
Um, so it was one of those things where I could just, and also because it's, it's, uh, runs on a web browser, like I could easily mm-hmm. practice it at work on like my work issued laptop when I was doing recruitment. Uh, so it was just one of those things that the ecosystem is just there really easily to learn JavaScript online. And, um, it's not as plain English as something like Ruby on rails, but it is very plain English. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think obviously it was still a challenge, but that's what I would recommend people either JavaScript or Python as their first one in 2022. Totally agree. Definitely. We just say the same thing. Objectively, you... though, Ruby on Rails is oh. um, would be a good one as well. It's just the job market is not as good as it was. I remember when I started as a recruiter, yeah. like Ruby on Rails smashed everything else <laughs> out of the park job wise. Yeah. Yeah, it feels slightly on the decline, but I feel like yeah, just because it's mature doesn't mean it's yeah. It depends what you're learning it for. If it's to get a, a job, fair enough. But if it's just to build mm. something quick, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, while we're talking about jobs, something I wanted to ask you about as well, like, obviously, I, I can predict that your answer about the four day work week about whether <laughs> it's the future work. But what what do you see as uh, in more of a macro sense, the future work for people mm. in our industry? Because like, obviously, for us, it is possible to work from home and everything like that. You know, certain other jobs right now, it's just not really possible. But for us, say, software engineers and other technical people, what do you think the future of, uh, of the job market could mm. be for people like us, both in terms of working hours and, and trends and, and working setups? I mean, there's so many things going on, to be honest with you. I mean, at super high level, I don't see the demand slowing down anytime soon for software. Um, I think no code could have a slight kind of weird thing with it, but I don't think it's going to be negative. I think it could be positive by like bringing more people into create more jobs I don't, I don't know i've not really thought too deep about it but um on the kind of future work thing i think there's a, f- a few things obviously the four-day week is one i think asynchronous working is going to be much more common Um, just like you know now we're working from home everyone it's kind of like you know four in the morning is no different from four in the afternoon for some people you know so it's like as long as you get the work done kind of mentality um rather than sticking strictly to nine to five um I have a slightly, don't know if this is contrarian view or whatever, but I don't know if hybrid work, I kind of feel like if you're going to go remote, do remote, if you're not going to do remote, do remote. I feel like the benefits of having an office are great, but if only half the office is in, I'm kind of I'm kind of mm. not sure on it, to be honest with you. I kind of feel that it could be a two-sided marketplace, very strong remote and very office with not a lot in the middle. I might be wrong on that one. Um and yeah, the whole like change to remote work has been insane. Like the amount of change that's happened in the last few years has just never happened since like the industrial revolution or something. Um, you know, for a lot of companies, remote work was the ultimate benefit. You know, it would bring in people to apply. That's been rug pulled. <laughs> so a lot of these companies are like, right now, what we're we going to offer to attract talent? Because, you know, it's difficult to, to get software engineers, especially. I think the four day week could be one of them. Um, but yeah, it's there's just so much going on. What do you guys think? Um, future trends about the workplace. The four day week one's definitely interesting. There's been a few companies in tech that have tried that out, like in the mm-hmm. last few years. I remember, I can't remember what they're called, but there's like an Edinburgh company that, that, that were doing it. Administrate. Administrate. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. doing it. They were doing it for quite a while, and like I think, I think, it, I think it works fairly well. Like the the idea of it. Um, and the thing about hybrid, I find I find what you said quite interesting because I actually think hybrid will work works really well for 
not everyone, but for some people, it definitely works really yeah. well for me. I get to go into the office once once a week, but like it's really more of like a kind of partially social, mm-hmm. keeping your mind straight yeah. on like you know having a little bit of interaction, getting out of the house for a day type thing, rather than <laughs> it's not the same as like going to your going to your desk and then turning to the person who sits next to you who like works with you and being like having that same collaboration unless you like organize people all to go in so yeah i think it can it can have it can it can work it can work fairly well um in certain in certain situations it'll maybe work less good going forward if more and more people like if if like the population of people that are in an industry in an area all start to all work remote so for example somebody just left the place i work and I worked with that person coincidentally at a previous company too. And then we were sort of making a laugh about how the chances of us working again together are now slimmer because we're both now part of a bigger market, if that makes sense. We did, previously, we only used to be part of the Scotland tech market because that's where you could get a job. Now we're both part of essentially a global market, so the chances of us bump, like bumping into each other again are actually like so much smaller. So that's really interesting in itself. It's yeah. pretty ter- not terrifying, but like it's so much change can come from like this globalization. A, a mm-hmm. Good, I would say overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of think that companies that only recruit like UK remote or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that'll decline. I just don't see why you need to keep it such a strict, you know, why just UK, why not France, Spain, anyone within a GMT plus the minus time zone. Um, and I think it's going to have an impact on like, you know, like San Francisco, like Bay Area salaries. I just don't know how that can sustain going forward because now <laughs> you can hire from anywhere, really. Um, Brazil, anyone in that kind of time zone. I don't know, maybe I'll be wrong there, but I just think it's going to have a lot of, knock-on impacts pretty much all good I, w- I should say but yeah what do you think cam so i think i interrupted it, you there no no it's all right it's it's an interesting one because i feel like there's been a lot of th- uh people worried about outsourcing for a very long time um it's hard for me to say really about the remote stuff because i've actually only been a software i literally got my first software engineering job i think a week before the stay-at-home order kind of came out for covid so i've been a software engineer for getting on three years now professionally um, so it's hard for me to say, so I've never worked in the, in the office as an engineer, so I can't, I can't say what the difference is like, you know, I, I personally, since I've been into like hubs, um, to work because my current employer does a hub system. Um, I work 400 miles away, uh, here in Scotland, whereas they're down in London. And, um, it's, it's a weird one where I feel like I now can't work. Um, and I would imagine a lot of people that are sort of, you know, only been in a career for a few years will now find it, find it really hard to work in an office environment. Like I'm probably the least productive uh, at any point when, I, when I'm in the office, just because the littlest thing uh, distracts me. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting what you say about the cross-border thing. I think a lot of the time, maybe it's just tax laws and stuff, but I mean, our, my, my current place, we have uh, people all over Europe. Um, so I guess once you get to a certain size, you can accommodate it. I, I guess it's maybe the smaller companies that can't, but um, 
it always provides some cool opportunities for uh, developers from the UK to go and live somewhere else for a while, which is always a good, uh, which is always a good thing to do. So I know a lot of people have moved down to Portugal, same time zone, uh, nicer weather than Scotland. Uh, so I, I understand why people do it, but for me, I, I think I'd get sunburned on Christmas Day there. So um, I'm definitely fine sticking in Edinburgh. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I mean, actually, speaking of Scotland, I, I had this question lined up a while ago. Um, now that we've moved to more of a remote standard model, what do you think is the future uh, across, I guess, not just a central belt, but in, in general for uh, for Scotland? And um, I think, do you think things are looking bright or, or, do you, or are you a bit more pessimistic on it? So I've been kind of out the scene in some respects, for I guess, for a little while now. But I would say overall, it's probably as good as it's ever been. Um, I mean, you go back to when I graduated uni, there was only a big, a few big tech companies in Glasgow. Like JP Morgan was always like the flagship one. Now they're, they're one of many. Um, Edinburgh, I think, probably has maybe slightly more. I don't know. I've not done the, the maths on it. But, you know, there's loads. Skyscanner, Fanjul. You're at Fanjul, right, Colin? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's loads. Um, yep. I also yes. think as well, like I was thinking today, see with the whole pound issue, like going down. Oh yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's thinking, a very out of date thing. Within, yeah, within yeah. A few hopefully days. It's, <laughs> when you when you watch this, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking. Well, I was just thinking. A lot of American companies use Glasgow and Edinburgh as a kind of like soft out, you know, offshore, whatever the right word is there, where mm-hmm. you know it's English spoken. It's not the worst time zone in the world if you're east coast i guess um maybe that'll encourage more companies i think the trend has been recently quite a few kind of decent sized american companies have opened offices and in, in glasgow and edinburgh and i think if there's a weakening of a stronger dollar who knows maybe it'll continue but i would say overall it's it's as good as it's ever been but as you say colin like the the remote thing definitely changes the feel of all kind of communities it's not like just the scotland scene almost it's yeah (laughs) wider than that i actually tried to take advantage of it basically one year too early so i was in my previous place of work um code clan and shout out to them thanks for sponsoring us and what a segue um, because that is where we'll put absolute, the Absolute segue. <laughs> may, as well, may as well cut to... Cut. The Code of Career podcast is brought to you by CodeClan. As the only coding bootcamp in Scotland, CodeClan is a fantastic way for people in Edinburgh and Glasgow to learn to code in person. And if you're elsewhere in the UK, you can still benefit from their remote cohorts. With over 1,500 graduates, 70% of which get a full-time job within six months at one of CodeClan's 390 hiring partners, CodeClan is a fantastic place to make a change in your career. CoClan is also making great strides towards reducing the gender gap in technology, with over 25% of their alumni now being female, with this rapidly growing. With average starting salaries of around £30,000, a world-class curriculum, and a forward-thinking organisation, CoClan is the place to be. As a former senior instructor at CoClan, Colin can tell us even more. Yeah, absolutely. CoClan is an absolutely phenomenal um, place, place to be, place to work, place to study. It's a coding bootcamp and it does full-time professional software engineering and data courses. Um, the software engineering course is called the PSD and the data course is called the PDA. Um, both these courses are 12 to 16 weeks full-time. They are fully instructor-led, which is 100% instructor interaction. That's one of the things that really sets them apart from other 
other courses that you can take. For example, you can do quite a lot of courses online for coding and software engineering that are not instructor led and are maybe through like a learning platform. Whereas CodeClan stuff, whether it's remote or in person, they're fully instructor led. You can literally stop the instructor halfway through a lesson to ask a question. And if anything, that's actually that's actually encouraged. The whole course is designed to take someone who has very little experience all the way up to a junior software engineer, such that they're able to to become a junior software engineer in an organization. And the course hits on all of the basics, uh, mostly around Python, JavaScript, Java, but as well as that, the software engineering principles and all of the really important fundamentals behind software engineering and coding and clean code, that all gets taught in this interactive, immersive way at CodeClan. One of the great things, other great things about CodeClan is that people often say, can, can I learn like Rust or can I learn Swift or something like that? You actually can't like learn tons and tons and tons and tons of things on the course because there only is so much time and there only you can only fit in so many like languages and skills. But one of the great things about it is that it gives you the ability to learn those things later on. It doesn't just say here, here's React and here's JavaScript and whatever else and then off you go. The instructors that you, you get on, on CodeClan are, are so helpful and they're so good at knowing exactly what people are thinking and feeling at various points in the course because it is a very intensive course. Um, but at least there's between two to four instructors per class and that's for both remote classes and in-person classes. And everyone learns in the, in the cohort at the same pace, which is excellent. It's really good to know that, for example, the way that they teach on the course, which is so important to me, the way that they teach is that they, they use a lot of what we called code-alongs. And a code-along is where an instructor kind of quite slowly and methodically codes out something in front of the class, whether it's on Zoom or in person in the classroom. And then the class slowly like code that thing together. We call that a code-along. And that's actually a really powerful way to learn because you're seeing the actual coding process happen in front of you but you're also being taught at the same time and as a participant as a student what you can actually do is you can stop and you can have a conversation and you can ask questions code clan is kind of a life-changing thing i've seen dozens and dozens and hundreds of people go through it in the time that i was there and it was genuinely genuinely life-changing for for every single one of them um they managed to you know get jobs as software engineers you know junior software engineers in the industry and even now uh, being a couple of years uh, ago that I worked there, I know many of the people I know are now mid mid level, kind of senior level engineers. So it's having a huge impact on people's lives and in a way that I couldn't even I couldn't even describe. It's pretty awesome. Um, to get more information about CodeClan, go to codeclan.com and slash events, codeclan.com slash events to learn more and to register for a workshop. The workshops that they do are kind of like a way of you figuring out if you want to come along to CodeClan and, and, and join and join up and, and and do the course. And it's a really great way of figuring out if if this is the sort of thing that's going to be useful to you. Please give it a try. If you're thinking about it, I highly recommend it. It's absolutely fantastic, genuinely life-changing. I tried to I tried to get the jump about a year early. I noticed that this pandemic thing had changed everything and I was at working at CodeClan and I fancied the change um out of CodeClan and to like a more engineering kind of focused role back into back into getting my sleeves up, you know, rather than the teaching stuff. 
and um, I thought, right, I'll now take advantage of this global marketplace that we're that we're now that we're now in. Like, and this was this would be, you know, uh, like April twenty twenty. That was exactly the COVID hit. So was it yeah. the year before? Nah, March. it must have been. It must have been the year. Must have been April twenty twenty one. Then, yeah, it would have been. Or, if it makes February. you feel any better, by the way, I forgot what year it was the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Just I think it was the start. Out. It was the start of year in twenty twenty one. That's what it was. Um, COVID was a thing already. COVID very much as a thing, mm-hmm. but I was like, right, the COVID is not a thing. I want to get a job, but I want to be able to not restricted. So I basically made a list of like all the companies that I'll be able to work remotely for. Started with, started with like Google at the top and, you know, kind of worked my way down and all the rest of it. And I came across so many companies at the time that were just like still not entertaining the idea of of this kind of globalized marketplace and like remote, even remote working and stuff like that. And I got a job at Fangio. Fast forward a year later, now that isn't that whole thing's changed. And there's now very much like a appetite uh for for most companies to to hire remotely and and uh, i think that's absolutely brilliant i'm just so glad it it finally it finally happened and it's shocking that it took us like the pandy to like get us to that stage the pandy i like that it's what brought me back to scotland finally uh, i mean I, as you can tell Phil, it's been a while since i've li- uh, that i lived down south as you can tell from my <laughs> accent um but yeah it's you know it's such a good opportunity for people to um you know move, move elsewhere because it meant that in the uk our, our tech scene was so concentrated into the southeast i think it's already done a uh, already done a great thing because the thing is people people do leave and set up their own startups. And I think we could really see the benefits of this over the next 20 years. And I know a lot of people like me that had a Scottish background, grew up in mainly in the Southeast and then have moved up since like, I know at least three other people in my position and we all work in tech. So, you know, the potential for uh, a lot of people that have left London um, and uh, got gone elsewhere, I think it will be very exciting to see over the next 10 to 20 years, like, uh, how the country is now going to be more of a more of an even playing field, and everything won't be so London centric. Yeah, I mean, I think you've, I'm sure you've seen what's happened in like San Francisco, but at one point there was an exodus, like an actual. Yeah. Everyone left, and I kind of feel that you know that's maybe a indicator of what's to come. I kind of feel that a lot of people might leave the city because there's not really as much need for them to be there. You know, most people live in the city because they need to work in the city, or, or a good chunk anyway. And if you don't need to work, uh, live in the city, well, why do you pay the rent of the city? <laughs> um, so yeah, there could be a bit of a move to the country, like a reverse industrial revolution. But anyway, that's proper macro. That's <laughs> that's an interesting. <laughs> we'll see what happens, yeah. <laughs> especially with uh, infrastructure getting better. Like my parents live in the middle of nowhere in Fife, and they're getting fibre optic in, and so they'll get gigabit speed. And they're not even in a village; they are just in a house with nothing. There's some pigs over the road in in a field like that. That is the only neighbors they have. Uh, And they're getting fiber optic installed, which I think is, you know, stuff like that is really exciting because we can bring infrastructure to rural communities and remote workers and move there. I mean, we don't have as much of a severe issue with regional inequality um, like like the Americans do. But, you know, it would still help here. But like I know in America, like a lot of um, Midwestern towns, they've offered basically tax breaks to people that have left the Bay Area. And it's worked out incredibly well for them because you know they come money, they come with money, and and it can bring jobs to a struggling economy. So there's a lot 
to be said for it, and I think it could be could be the great equaliser. Um, but we'll uh, yeah, yeah we'll have to see. I guess it's still such early days, really. Since I think you you were just saying, Colin, right? It was only like a year into the pandemic that actually it was decided. Yeah, we are gonna we are gonna stick with this whole remote thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's pretty good, but it's also a bit scary, as you said, <laughs> Phil. Um, I had a question for you on um like the future of the four day week uh, website and company you've you've before we get to that though you've built that entirely yourself is that is that right yeah yeah so it's all in react from going uh back ends well it's now node i was going to say go there <laughs> um yeah it's yeah. pretty standard stack tech so what are you gonna say yeah just asking if it's just yeah. you that just entirely you just me yeah just me i mean that's the thing about building like a job board or a simple business it's like you know it's not the most insanely complicated thing it's literally just a, a list it's a table <laughs> you know it could almost be a spreadsheet um and that's what i love about it it's once you get it up and running there's not a whole lot of maintenance you know with your but if you're building like a SaaS product or SaaS tool you know i take my hat off to anyone that can pull it off to be for a start it's very very difficult but um so there's not a SaaS element to the four day week then no there's not a subscription or payment system or so how do you how do you make money basically yeah 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 so i mean basically the companies pay to just get featured job ads essentially top of the website okay. one thing like a one-off type thing uh, yeah, it's usually recurring when they like they opt out. It's like a soft, an opt out, but the churn is quite high with these things because you know right. how long can a company hire a position for? <laughs> if, yep. if I've not got them a job in three months, something's wrong in my end almost. Um, yeah, Tomsky. yeah. So yeah, they pay a monthly subscription to get kind of featured on the website, um, but it's mm-hmm. not like a, a traditional SaaS in that you're using the tool every day and it's like getting new features and you 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 need it for your job this is more just like that's what i'm that's what i love about it it's just so simple so it doesn't need crazy complicated um tech and that's the thing like see once i got it up and and running i almost like try and encourage myself not to make changes (laughs) it's just like you know i should really be using my time elsewhere i'm only one person trying to do this just picking my dad recently, time is precious. <laughs> so it's just trying to um, be as disciplined as possible. But yeah, just just me. Um, and hopefully I can spin some things off it. That's the, the next plan. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Also called shiny object syndrome, as I'm sure you know, I should really focus on the main thing. <laughs> yeah, I've got that problem as well. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, shiny object syndrome. Ooh, this looks cool. What does look cool for you just now? Um... So, I mean, I've danced about with so many different ideas. I've got like a document of different ideas that come in my head, but I always knew that how difficult it is to get something that works for a start because I've got like the yeah. war wounds of like trying for years. So now I've got something working and I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've got like a kind of small audience. There's like 40,000 um, like kind of developers on the, the newsletter. So if I've got this asset, I should really be kind of building on top of it maybe rather than starting completely from scratch. So I'm thinking of doing something in the developer space, helping developers get jobs and some other flavor. I know it's really boring, but you know, I'm not completely financially free, <laughs> which I always say. So you just gotta, you know, keep doing those boring businesses until that hopefully comes. But yeah, it's tough. It's damn hard. Have you got some side projects yourself then that you you've got some more wounds from or well, I've over over like I was I was chatting about this with Cameron a wee while ago. Like, 
the start of the pandemic, I tried to build a, and I've never taken any of the ideas that I've had to the point of trying to try them out in the market. I've, I've kind of got them to the point of proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And then, I, then I'm then i about to try them out in the market. And then I go, uh, I'm done now. <laughs> like, so I put so much effort into the proof of concept that, uh, that the prospect of like tr- trying to get users for it, like completely overwhelms me. And I just go, I'd rather just play this new computer game that I've got. <laughs> and um, I ha- so far, I haven't done that with the coder career. Uh, Cameron will be pleased pleased to hear. Working diligently diligently on the coder career in the background. That's our that's not that's, that's currently my, my new computer game. But yeah, one one I had before is I tried to build my, build my own back end as a service system. You know what I mean by that? Like um, back end like, as a uh, service, like, like 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 my own Firebase system. Oh right, okay. And wow. then I'd like have subscriptions, kind of like um. Um, there was one. There was a. There was one that went bust a few years ago. It was like a really big one. What was it? The Superbase is that one as well? Is that similar to Superbase? Yeah, Base. I thought you yeah. mentioned yeah. Superbase because that does look very. Yeah. I haven't tried it, but it looks very cool. Yeah, it's the simple idea of it is that you like it was kind of before the before the days of before the days of just calling a JS function on your front end to like save some data was actually like quite novel. Like. You 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 know you connect to like a remote database just through JavaScript calls, and it just saves it, and you do it directly from your front end. You don't have to bother about like building a back end that then takes the request and then saves it and does your CRUD thing. It's more just you know just call the front end, call the the back end directly from mm-hmm. your front end using a simple little client tool. And then well, I got like involved in sockets and all that. So basically, if that data then changes, then you then get notified of like the data change and tried to build it like that it was quite fun bit of a project didn't go that far the next idea i had was one about um basically this app we're using right now it's similar to that like we to remotely record podcasts with guests rather than doing them in person so i've had, had a few things you <laughs> nearly had zencast <laughs> beat on that as well because like zencast hadn't so, properly launched when you were working on that i yeah i don't think they had i was and i seriously considered uh like you know to trying to take it to the marketplace and i, I built this prototype in it works fairly well like the prototype kind of similar like a little waveform you press you press record and it records natively for all the guests rather than you know trying to do it over the wire so uh hopefully the quarter career will, will, will become a bit more of a, a a bigger side project we'll see though yeah we're trying to build yeah, a forget, like, sorry on you go cam no no sorry um we're basically trying to build a community platform um at, at the moment and we're yeah. trying to be basically that missing link um i i guess particularly between i think what what's the tagline we're going with now Colin? like zero to five years experience where people are in the first yep. few years of their career to try and advance and uh you know level level up in their career uh or break in in some cases as well so that's basically what we're what we're trying to do and we've got got a few irons in the fire um with, with that but exactly yeah <laughs> we've been very busy exactly well good busy we've we've basically found Indeed. that like we basically found that um, and it's just like a little bit of a segue into you know the quarter career behind the scenes. We basically found that pe- people need support, whether they're f- thinking about getting into tech or coding or software or data or whatever, or whether they're getting they're actually getting into it, or whether they're at uni and they're doing a they're doing a CS degree and they're thinking about their first job, whether they're at a boot camp and they're thinking about their first job whether maybe they've been to a boot camp and they've got their first job, but they're looking for their second job. Even people, we found that even people within that like two to three year 
experience level. They need support. They need a network. So what we're trying to what we're trying to make the Quora career is is a, is that support network, and um, and we're going to hopefully offer ways of people interacting in a better way, in a kind of nicer way on the Discord and on our website and things to like help people. For example, one of the things that happens quite often is we get people we get people on our Discord posting on our CV channel saying, "Can you re- review my CV?" So we're going to try and like make some little tools around that that will make make that look like a little bit easier to do from our website, um, and try and kind of tap into that kind of that side of the of the people that need help type market. That yeah, I mean, I think market. everyone needs help. Really, it doesn't matter if you're junior yeah. or senior. Like even I remember yeah. first time kind of leading a small data team and you know, I'd never done that before it's like <laughs> can someone help I felt a little bit like please someone show me what I'm meant to do and um, so it's yeah I, I get it for sure so what stage is the is, is all that at then have you, have you started these projects or the, the yeah analysis tool or not um well we're, we're we've started all of that stuff um I guess it's just hard when you're full-time in it you know to, yeah to 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 commit to it that's to that same level um how did you find that you started you started this four day week thing when you were full-time somewhere else is that correct yeah so I was full-time and I just basically I didn't obviously have a kid then I don't think I could do it now to be honest with you but I just tried it as much at the weekends and evenings and just keep it really light and uh not complicated just speed is everything doesn't matter if it's messy as I was saying to you before the call my code, I am ashamed of it sometimes. And even some of the comments in the code that just says, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's just like... Apologizing. You know, apologizing to my future self. So, to the compiler gods or somebody, I don't know, the interpreter yeah. or whatever it is. So basically, at that point, uh, building it on the side, and then eventually I was getting a bit of traction. I got my first customer, and I was kind of like, oh, right, maybe I should take this a bit more seriously. But I wasn't ready to, like, quit my job at that point. So I just asked my boss do you mind if I drop down to part-time? And I thought, I was so nervous even asking him. And he nice. just went, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that, that was easy. Um, and then the more I think about it, like hiring developers is so hard. It's much more of a pain them losing you <laughs> than you dropping down to part-time. And at the end of the day, like this is why I'm kind of into the four-day week. My output from going from five days to three didn't change a whole lot, honestly. That's what I honestly feel like. Just because you're almost forced naturally to just be like ruthlessly efficient in everything you do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I went down to three three days a week, did that for about maybe about a year. And then I was like, right, okay, I've got enough customers now that, you know, hopefully it continues. And if it does and runway and all that sort of stuff, I was like, see the worst case scenario. And this isn't meant to sound big headed or anything like that, but you know, the market is so good for developers, right? If you really want to go and get a job, if it all goes Pete Tong, <laughs> you can go and get a job, you know? So I was thinking yeah. the risk isn't as big as it, I think it is in my head. If it goes wrong and I've got to go and get a job in a year, that's fine, whatever. So yeah, so I've made the leap in February and haven't needed a job yet, which is good, but we'll see. <laughs> Don't want to tempt fate. <laughs> but. That's one of the, just ultimately one of the absolutely current, current while we, you know, like make hay while the sun shines and all that, while the market's still really, really good, like, and even while, even if it's not so good, it's, it's, it's still like one of the most lucrative kind of careers in terms of the choice of, and the, the demand for your, for your skill. 
So if there are anybody, if there are any listeners out there that are a bit entrepreneurial, it's and you want to build your build your thing, it's it's worth just reminding them that yeah, you can you can always fall back on, you know, if you've got the skills, at least you can always fall back on that on that um security yeah on that security so, but um my advice to people on that is don't be too cocky because <laughs> there's because there's definitely people that just i've definitely seen people that just think they can just be like oh yeah i'm just gonna and actually they maybe don't have the they don't have the the they haven't learned enough or they don't have the right attitude um so yeah if anybody's out there thinking i'll thinking i'll do that just be careful. <laughs> and make I'm sure saying. you build your contact book as well. Like that is, I gave a talk at, um, Very important. Uh, at a co-clan event last week. And I was saying like, especially earlier in your career, well, well, I guess all the way through, but you're only as good as your contact book. Like uh, realistically getting a job over half of it is your networking ability because chances are you're going to get reached out to about jobs. As long as you can prove that you're at least a competent programmer, like, it's it's all about the network um like in terms of like who you know what you can do and just get getting yourself out there a little bit be that virtually um or in person like uh, for example on, on twitter phil i've been trying to uh, i've been trying to grow my brand on there like i, I could use some tips actually because uh, i've noticed you've been really consistent at it but i can never i can never work out what to tweet is, is my main problem um at least uh i can work out a few things to tweet when scotland are losing in the rugby but yeah i don't think people want to hear that <laughs> Oh, it's hard, honestly. That's one thing I learned in all this. Like, it's even just tweeting once a day. That's what I try and do. And uh, it's like, see, growing your personal brand. It sounds like the worst thing. You know, oh, I, I even hate that sentence, but you know, I'm doing it, whatever. Uh, even just scheduling like one tweet a day, tough. It is honestly quite hard to keep that up consistently. Um, so, what I do is basically just use one of these scheduling tools and anytime I've got an idea, even if it's out a walk or whatever, just put it in and I really rough format and then i'll tweak it up later it is what it is but yeah i i completely agree you've got to be networking and just putting yourself out there it helps massively um and, and linkedin as well has been great for that so it always amazes me when like some developers don't have a linkedin sometimes i think it's like i don't know they just have this vendetta against microsoft or whatever it is <laughs> but you know you should just have a linkedin like even if it's just your latest job in yeah. a photo you just have to have a presence on LinkedIn. Like it boggles my yeah. mind. The, the juniors are down on LinkedIn as well. It's like, how do you expect to get found? Like as a former recruiter, like, believe me, that is all we did. Like that is all we looked on, yeah. on LinkedIn because to, to be brutally honest, like as a recruiter, like when we looked at someone's GitHub, you can't really tell what a good or a bad GitHub is. You often can't work out how to get in contact with that person anyway. Um, so in the end, we we're just like, oh, lots of green squares. They must be good. Um, and there was one situation <laughs> where an office that I worked in, and this is really embarrassing. And I know some of my former colleagues from this job listen. <laughs> so um, basically, we all collectively thought incorrectly that the number of stars on someone's profile was basically how good they were. And it was just the number of star repositories <laughs> they had. And then we got this guy and we were like, this candidate is the bee's knees. He's got like 10,000 stars on GitHub. <laughs> and, uh, we, but the worst well, part was we sent out like a mail shot to like all the hiring managers <laughs> that were all technical. And we were like, you won't believe this guy. <laughs> 10,000 GitHub stars. And obviously all he did was he was just interested in stuff. And just obviously spent a lot of time browsing open source and just started everything. 
It's so bad. Just it's like saying, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's retweeted a hundred thousand things on Twitter. He's so good at marketing. Like it was so bad. It's an interesting I point, think... though. Like pe- people make quite a big deal about like um, people make quite a big deal about like getting your GitHub profile sorted out and that all the rest of it. And like, I'm actually not convinced that that's that's out. I mean, I think you should do it to like to like min max. Like, but it's definitely one of the things that's maybe more min. Like, you you could you could do it and it'll give you some benefit. But I, how do you mean min max? It's not gonna like I, I mean like so the lowest hanging fruit, like like the easy 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 things to do to get you to get you a job would be have a LinkedIn, like you know put on like what kind of job you're looking for, add your roles, you know all that all that sort of stuff. But like having like having a GitHub that's polished and has a portfolio on it or whatever to me that's not something that that like that everybody needs to be able to be seen and you know it doesn't it isn't gonna some well someone's not gonna look at that and go oh this person is is as amazing like because they've got like a github that has portfolio work on it or whatever whereas if someone will look at look look at you and go wait a minute they don't have a linkedin that's a bit weird that's mm. like that's that's a, that's a very strange do they even do they even want a job are they are they even a human being <laughs> like like is there a person out out there um uh so i just mean like i can i controversially don't think that the whole port, portfolio and github polish thing is something that you should prioritize highly if you're like looking to like um yeah. you know get seen but it definitely would make a difference if you're looking to like just max the hell out of like everything and get yourself get yourself like you know noticed github's not a social tool or a, a job finding tool it's a thing for sticking code on and mm. you know who cares if I it doesn't you get more you probably get more value out of getting like a professional headshot than like spending a thousand hours touching up your github Abs- no absolutely <laughs> that's a really that's a really good shout yeah like the thing is yeah. you, you said it yourself cam like but most recruiters obviously aren't technical um so there's that side of it they're not even going to look at I, I, I don't imagine i've never really like github I, I don't know but i've never used it at all in any of my hiring efforts or getting a job yeah um it's just been linkedin Same. really um yeah so yeah get a good headshot and just tidy up your linkedin would be 10 million times better in my opinion 100 that, that's a, a more succinct version of what i was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even hard to get a professional headshot like most modern phones come with some kind of portrait mode just stand against a white wall and get someone else to take a picture uh, of you just like a couple of meters away and it will look amazing uh, and you can even like do some stuff with it on i mean colin's the canva whiz so i don't even need to tell you this colin but uh the the amount of stuff you can just Come do on, on canva for free is uh is unbelievable like and you can do uh all kinds of headers for your profile and that kind of thing like i think if people are listening now you know you don't have to tweet a million times a day you don't have to have a hundred thousand followers but you can for like you were saying min maxing colin like it's not too much effort to like actually m- make the presentation around the headshot and banners and stuff really nice. So it's definitely worth doing. And like, it's just these little things that stand out. And, you know, if I'm a recruiter who's looking at 50 junior developers and one's got a really professional profile, even if it's sub- like um, uh, subliminal, like I'm probably going to favor that person yeah. because they've got a very fleshed out online presence. What if they didn't have a photo? Would that change your opinion? It's a difficult one because I understand some people don't have, uh, some people are worried about, so I actually made a TikTok about this and I said, you need to have a picture on LinkedIn. And someone came back to me and said, 
what about discrimination? And I didn't really have an answer for that because that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't really know, don't know. actually. I, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know whether it would have affected me like subliminally or not about like picking a profile or not. And I guess if people don't want to do that, that's um, that's fine. You can mm. have something representative. I think as long as you don't have the default, like maybe if you have some form of avatar or something, like I've, some, I've seen mm. some people do it mm. with like a robot or something, um, like a cartoon robot if they're a dev. But it, it's an interesting one. I understand when people are coming from about the discrimination angle though. Um, and it was a, I didn't expect that response on TikTok, but I did think it was a good point. So I don't really have a clear answer, but it's something worth considering for people. Yeah, difficult one to get right. I mean, like one of the things I'm doing the side, I said I've got a couple of side projects. One of them is like a marketplace for developers um, just to like create a profile and well, it's in the blockchain space. I'm sorry, Colin. But anyway. <laughs> How can you afford to run it? You must, have a lot, you must have a lot of ETH to like pay for your gas fees to like uh, just send and receive data i suppose with the way aws is going with the price behind that you may as well stick it in the blockchain because it's going to cost every bit as much but yeah so like, just, i was just in it's ruby and rails by the way not, i'm not doing any blockchain stuff myself but like the blockchain kind of niche and the kind of web 3 it's definitely it's like a different type of i don't know the culture is different almost and like everyone's got avatars that are like dogs and cats and stuff and i'm like <laughs> You know, you're trying to get a job, and I just I always thought it was maybe I'm just a dinosaur. It could be that I'm a dinosaur, but if I'm, I'm the same as person, you, Phil. I'm a dinosaur like, too. You know, just kind of the guy's got a picture of an avatar dog as the person. I was like, hmm. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm with you. It's weird. Yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit strange. Yeah, I think because there's a lot more of culture of uh, behind certain cryptocurrencies, like the promotion of um, being anonymous and obviously decentralization. And whilst in the West, obviously, we, we're lucky enough to have freedom of expression. But I guess that's that's where it comes from. Mm. But it's an interesting point. And yeah, I've definitely seen on LinkedIn, like that's carried over. Obviously, someone's not calling themselves like, uh, I think there's a guy that I follow on Twitter called um, the Crypto Duck. And I follow, uh, I follow his takes on stuff. And his profile looks ridiculous um, because it's just this cartoon duck that actually gives out really good advice. Um, but like, I just wonder if that would fly in the Web2 world on LinkedIn uh, if you just had a picture of a duck and referred to yourself as, I don't know, the React Duck or the, uh, the Next.js Duck. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's just different culturally. So I guess people should just adapt to their, adapt to their environment, much like animals. Um, not saying developers are animals, uh, but um, yeah, I get <laughs> adjust your environment and like as all, like yeah. something I always encourage people on here. Like sometimes we do end up falling into because me and Colin are both from the UK, we end up falling into the trap of um, of promoting advice that is very UK centric. Like sometimes you've got to consider your local market yeah. and either technologies are popular there or the customs. Like for example, Americans, you've got to have that one page CV or resume as they would call it. Uh, whereas for us, like no one cares about fitting it all. In one page just little things like that yeah no yep. very interesting true yeah cool so on that note actually we are trundling towards the hour mark so that more or less um wraps it up but um before before we uh, before we do go phil um if you want to find out more about yourself and the four-day work week where, where can they go to where can they find you yeah so i mean the website is just fourdayweek.io whether you want to use the number or the letters is fine i got both of them uh, on Twitter, I have the worst username ever. I won't even go into it. It was a miss. Anyway, it's just it should be below Phil you on the video. Actually, week. we should have edited oh, it to there be you go. below you so people can go there to you go. it's like Philo Star or something, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was meant to be Ringo Star, 
but with Phil for Ringo, but I didn't realize Ringo Starr actually had two R's, so it just makes no sense. I'll use one. So it's just, it's a mess. And you know that way you feel bad changing it. It's like having an email that has, my email's got 2005 in it. And it's like, why did I put 2005 in the email? You know, <laughs> regrets. <laughs> regrets. People are going to think you're yeah. like 15. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. In ten years' time, you could maybe believe that I am only forty or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me on, though. That was that was that was good fun. Enjoyed it's it. Been a really good chat. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to been... pick your brains a little bit more on your website, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Very thanks much. so much from me as well for coming on. And um, if you want to get in touch with you, Colin, are you are you on are you active on Twitter these days? Because I know you were. I'm active to on Twitter. Occasionally rant about political <laughs> stuff on there, so apologies. Who, do, who doesn't like a political it's rant? Colin underscore Riddell. Is it Colin cool. underscore Riddell? I had to check. It's it's li- it's written below. I yeah, it's written below, below you, and <laughs> um, mine's written below me at Cam Blackwood ninety five. Um, and then make sure to follow the Code of Career for updates as well. Feel free to join our Discord, codeofcareer.com slash Discord and follow our TikTok. And we are making a big push, push on YouTube as well. So if you are watching this on YouTube, we are eternally grateful. If not, please go and listen to it again on YouTube, if that's not too much of an ask. Uh, like and subscribe. <laughs> but anyway, thank, yeah, like and subscribe. And uh, yeah, thanks again so much for coming on, Phil. And thank you as well, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Code of Career. We will see you every other Monday. Thanks, everyone.